Welcome to episode 20 of the podcast. I've got another fantastic guest for you. Uh, today I've got uh, Peter Carter. He's a fantastic marketing consultant with a specialty in Facebook ads. And that's what we're here to talk about today. As we've heard before on the podcast, uh, Facebook ads are a fantastic way to drive traffic and sales for your business, but also quite an easy way of just throwing away a lot of your marketing budget. But I'll let Peter explain how you can make the most of your Facebook ads and get a decent return on your investment. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background and why you do what you do? Yeah. Hi, Will. Uh, so I run Facebook ads for a couple of brands, but my main thing I do now is I help e-commerce brands grow, mainly with a big focus on Facebook ads, but a lot of other things as well that are in the sort of ecosystem that improve uh, the Facebook ads performance. Things like a bit of CRO, apps in the store, um, looking at cross-sells and upsells. So I work with brands. I guess you could say I'm a consultant and I help them grow. I've been running Facebook ads since 2013. I started way back in the days, drop shipping t-shirts, um, drop shipping products from China, built and sold a couple of brands myself. Um, you know, I've been out to Facebook's offices in Austin and stuff like that, spent a considerable amount of money on the platform. And currently I'm working with um, really exciting brands to help them grow. Um, you know, people who've proven their concept and um, are looking to grow as quickly as possible. So, yeah, that's what I'm up to at the moment. And uh, I like doing this stuff because it's taken me all around the world. I get to go to New York often. I've been out to Austin, Texas, to Facebook's offices, as I mentioned, out to Las Vegas, down to London. So, yeah, I, I love this world. It's exciting, keeps your brain sharp. And, um, yeah, this is where I've ended up currently, and I'm loving the journey. Yes, well, sounds great. Uh, what, so do you, you get to travel, what, to clients, or is it like conferences and things? Yeah, a mixture. Um, I get to go out to see clients in New York. I've got a couple there who I've been to see for the last four years, actually. Um, went out to a conference in Amsterdam with uh, my fiance owns a web design, a Shopify design and development agency. So took the team out to Amsterdam and yeah, it's great. It's all a nice tax expense as well, which is good. So yeah. it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it helps, doesn't it? Uh, cool. So what does a, a standard day look like for you? I guess ignoring the lockdown and all that stuff. A normal yeah, standard pretty- day. Yeah, pretty much the same, really. As lockdown, nothing, not much has changed for me other than I'm not going out to bars and uh, and restaurants as much. Um, get up about six, have a really good smoothie and just start sort of thinking about my, my day ahead. Um, not too much, though. I try and focus on, like, if I'm downstairs making a smoothie and, and drinking water and stuff, I try and focus on that. Don't get carried away with work as soon as you, uh, as soon as you get up. Then I'll go into my office, do mindset for about 25 minutes, work on my mind, um, and uh, really aim to get myself into this like laser focused state. Uh, lately, I've got really good at working on specific tasks at specific times. So when I start, probably about from 6.30 till 7, I'll do mindset. And then from 7, I don't check any social media. Not that I do anyway. I don't check any emails. I only have two tabs open and I work on only one task at a time starting with the most important tasks for the day. So I don't start, sit there replying to emails and the trap that a lot of people fall into. You get the big tasks out of the way first. So if I'm managing anyone's account um, at high spend, I'll work on that. And then, you know, maybe if I do send an email, it'll be regarding that uh, project. And then I'll go in with my consulting clients and respond to their questions, record them videos one by one. Um, it's very important to not get distracted by stuff. 
throughout the day, I'll have consulting calls with clients, maybe sales calls for new clients who are interested in working with me. Um, good bike ride or a bit of gym from about five o'clock, get back in, one last check, and then wind down. Uh, that's it Monday to Thursday. And then on Fridays, similar sort of setup, but with uh, some finance and boring admin and stuff involved. Weekends get a bit out of the way in the morning just to keep everything going. And that's been a good setup for me for the last uh, six, seven years. Yeah, I know how easy it is to get distracted by like, you know, an email that comes in, uh, like a new prospect or something on LinkedIn or something that kind of, you know, you, you notice that notification and then you check the notification and it's something interesting and then that just leads to another thing. And then before you know it, a couple of hours have passed and you've done all these like random other little tasks that aren't actually that important. And you've completely forgotten to do the uh, the thing the thing you actually started on. Yeah, it's a you know as a consultant, if you want to really grow, the main thing is that you get results for your clients, or they get results through my um, advice. I work in like a done with you style, so I work with people to um, implement things with them in their account as I work with them. But I teach them the strategies at the same time, so they're paying me for a result. So the most important thing is that I help my clients first, so I get that out of the way. I actually use a timer from the Apple, the App Store called Be Focused Pro. And it's like a proven way to work on tasks. Um, I think it's called a Porodormo timer, like a new tomato timer. Yeah. It's like a, it's a proven way to work where you work in 25-minute blocks and, and take a five-minute break. We only work on one task at a time. And when I first started using it, I thought, you know, I'll be, I thought 25 minutes and a break. I thought this, you know, I can power through that. I'll just do three hours and then have a break. But when I started using it and taking the five minute breaks, when you're a good halfway through the day, you need the breaks. And then at the end of the day, you see how much like laser focus you've had. You just get so much more done. So, uh, that really helps as well to not get distracted. I put my phone away in a drawer. I don't, I keep two tabs open and turn all notifications for Slack and Trello and everything off and just do one thing at a time. It can change. It, doing that has a direct correlation to how much help you can give people and how much money you make as a business as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, so let's, let's move on a little bit. Um, so we're here to talk about Facebook, um, as you kind of mentioned at the start. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit more about kind of Facebook as a, an advertising platform? Um, like who is it good for? And how, how has it changed over the years as well? Yeah, most of my experiences with e-commerce, with Facebook, whether it's been um, drop shipping products back in the day, building my own brands um, or running ads on a large scale for other companies, um, you know, e-commerce is where my experience lies. So I'll talk a lot about e-commerce stuff here, mainly on the Shopify platform, but I help people on other platforms as well. Um, so back in the day when I started in 2013, we'd run a lot of PPE ads and the CPM, the cost per meal, the cost to reach a thousand people is way cheaper than it is now. And back then, it was very easy to run these basic PPE ads, which means they're optimized for engagement, right? And you just get this huge reach. Um, it was very easy to get profitable. And then over the years, you've had to get better and better um, with really understanding how to increase average order value conversion rate optimization because the ads have got more expensive you have to get really good at understanding how to maximize uh you know how to acquire customers get them to purchase as much as they can on the front end through cross sells and upsells 
And then one big thing that a lot of people miss is once you've acquired them, resell to these guys, these existing customers. So, you know, back when I was doing it, it'd just be sticking images of products up. Um, you know, I think about 2014 or 15 video really started to play a big part. So now, um, you know, it's changed over the years. Now we're using conversion ads, way more video and getting way more detailed with like a funnel structure. So like, um, back then I maybe would run some ads to reach new people and then run some retargeting ads. But I'll probably speak about it a bit more later where, now we work in way more of a funnel structure to really reach different people at the different opportunities um, that we can and speak to them in like this funnel structure, whether they've, whether they're brand new to our brand or whether they've engaged with our posts on social media, or if we're retargeting someone who's visited a product page or added to cart and then to existing people as well. So that's kind of gone from a really basic setup back then. Maybe that was my knowledge at the time, but right now it's way more, detailed but still pretty straightforward yeah definitely i think um a lot of people do miss that kind of conversion piece uh, average order value and retention side and i kind of still trying to focus on just being profitable off that first sale and like you said if the costs are getting so much more expensive you need to do your best to kind of i guess what maybe not just break even but uh you know you, you know you're not going to make loads of money and be super profitable off that first purchase. But if you can get that person in, give them a good experience, get a decent amount of value from them, but then you know get their email address, get their phone number maybe, and use different channels to remarket to them to bring them back again and again. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to touch on that, because I work with so many brands, I mean, it maybe is a bit of a myth where you know, you have to like break even or lose money on the front end to then make the money up in other areas. Maybe it does work like that with some brands, but when you absolutely nail your product market fit, give the market exactly what they want, not what you think they want. I worked with a lady who just finished with me the other day. She's got a brand out in Australia. She was spending $300 a day on mainly cold ads to do four grand a day in sales and a profit margin was like 60%. So she's extremely profitable across the board because not just the strategy that's there, the strategy is the same. She has done her work first to solve a problem for her niche and they absolutely love it. So that's where people need to start. All this is secondary to all that. You can have a bad strategy, um, but an amazing product market fit. And that will always like override stuff. Yeah, if you've got the right product and you've got the, the audience for it and you can put the right message in front of them, yeah, you're always going to do well, aren't you? Um, what are the are there any kind of common myths or misconceptions about Facebook advertising, or maybe just Facebook fire, as a platform generally? Yeah, I'll just fire fire a few off. Um, so some some common ones I see is that you need big amount of likes on your page to do well, and like brand owners will think that the amount of likes that they've got is a direct correlation to how their brand is perceived, but. I would never run any like campaigns. The the brands I've had have started with none. Um, yeah, the, the page likes would just be a byproduct of running really well-targeted, having a really well-targeted uh, ad strategy. So page likes, not a big thing for me uh, given, at all. Uh, given the, uh, you know, the, the super low organic reach now on pages, um, is there any real point in focusing on them? Or not maybe not focusing on them, but you know, should you really care? 
I, mean, uh, I guess there's a bit of social proof. But it could, yeah, it can work running ads to people who've liked your page because they've had touch points with you. And, you know, some of these guys, if you've got a good content strategy and you give value out and run your page properly, not just hammering people with products, you know, you can, you can generate some really great returns from these guys. But, you know, for me, my strategy is bringing new customers in, turning them into paying customers, increasing their average order value, acquiring them and selling to them again. This stuff to me, like page likes and stuff, would be really secondary to a really solid um, ad strategy. Yeah, so it should be a byproduct of doing things really, really well. And then it yeah. just gives you that extra opportunity to target people later. But just don't, uh, don't waste money on it. Don't pay for likes. It's just something, I, you know, maybe back five, six years ago, I'd do that sort of stuff, but I would just, it was just never something that would ever cross my mind to run page likes campaigns. It doesn't change anything. You know, I've, my own brand that I had uh, back in 2016, we started on, uh, built the store over a weekend. My fiance built it and then zero page likes, nothing, no presence nothing we did 175,000 in sales in the second month just from running conversion campaigns then the page likes you know gets up into the thousands but it's never my focus to say right let's get a nice amount of likes I'd rather put the time and effort into uh, understanding how to bring new people in yeah yeah it makes sense doesn't it I've got a couple more um you know, maybe if people were inexperienced, they'd say Facebook ads are too expensive these days. But, you know, as I mentioned at the start, when you've got a good system in place or like an ecosystem, as I like to call it, where you're, you know, I've got a brand who I work with. They do, they just crossed 8 million in sales. 30% of their revenue now comes from email marketing. And yes, it comes from sending out campaigns, you know, based off trends or whatever's going on and sending a few of those out a week. But having your automated flows in place um, really helps your ads. Um, so saying that ads are too expensive may be like the scenario you suggested as well at the start where someone's relying on getting really profitable on this cold traffic, but it's not. You have to have things set up in a way that maximizes that your ad spend. You know, like the lady I mentioned just then, spending 300 a day to do 4,000 plus a day in sales. Um, she's got a basic campaign structure, but really great creatives that resonate with her audience uh, works really well with uh, the different targeting options in Facebook and the ways that you can build audiences at different levels of the funnel. So, you know, if things were too expensive, then uh, it would be dying out, but you have to be smart as a marketer and an, in an e-commerce sense as a brand to, well, I guess in any, in any, um, in any niche or industry that you're running ads in, you have to understand how to maximize your advertising spend by using like a funnel structure in the account. If you just turn on one cold campaign, have a bad experience. And, you know, I, I look inside a lot of the time when I work with consulting clients, they'll say, we don't know what we've done. We've tried to run them in house and they'll just wasted six grand on stuff, but I'll be able to see and spot in there, maybe 500 of spend somewhere, which shows positive results. So we start from scratch and then next thing, the ads aren't too expensive when you just implement a few things. For me, uh, I always start with $20 a day ad sets. I speak in dollars. Most of my clients are in uh, America, but a brand last month, a couple of $20 ad sets. Then we were up to 10000 a day in sales within eight days just because um, you know how to test on a low level. 
gather the data and look at a few things to make some moves off. So they're not expensive. You just have to understand how to interpret the data. Make sure you, you, you know, there's buying data where you're not profitable and can spot stuff, but then there's uh, wasting money when it goes beyond that. And it's just down to experience really. Um, you know, one other thing is where people think you need to run traffic ads because it will get you so many eyeballs on your site. But, you know, the way Facebook works, when you optimize for a certain objective, like when you, you know, for me, a majority of everything I do is conversions for purchases. But people will think, okay, well, I can get nine cents a click. I'm going to run some traffic ads. Then I'll just retarget these guys. But there's such a low quality of person when you send traffic ads to e-commerce um, product pages or landing pages that the retargeting audience is so polluted with junk traffic. Every time I've tried that, it's absolutely ruined things. So that's maybe another myth. Again, there may be people who do this stuff well, but a lot of the time, well, nearly, well, every time I see someone who's tried stuff, they'll have tried that. It doesn't work, and I've tried it myself. It One does, time I, does yep. seem a bit odd because you're basically saying, I'm going to drive any traffic to the website. Don't care about the quality of it. And then I'm just going to spend money retargeting that exact same low-quality traffic. Yeah, and, and, I mean, hope, like, and I hope that a few people convert. Um, yeah, well, anyway. no, I think they think that people will convert because you're retargeting them because people have tried to get in the mindset that, oh, right, okay, you know, the, the structure I mentioned before, that like funnel structure, that works when you send good quality people in the front. And the ones who don't decide to buy, then they change their mind as you hit them with the other levels. But when you send such junk in from the start, it pollutes everything. And you'll be surprised how many people think this is a good strategy. I've just been, I, I train agencies who run ads for brands um, in a lot of cases. And I was on a call the other day and the agencies, this was part of their strategy to actually do this, to kick a new brand off. And I was just like, no, we just start from nothing. We're going to go in after conversions and purchase and we'll, we'll go from there. So there may be other ways people do it. But for me, it's a big no-no doing this traffic stuff. But for anyone listening who has their own customer list, it's a great time to run ads as traffic campaigns to your existing lists because they're your core audience. You want to reach those guys as cheaply as possible. So you can really drill into um, your prime audience of customers with traffic ads to really reach as many of them as cheaply as possible. They've proven to purchase from you. So that, that's uploading your own, your current audience, like your actual yeah, customer yeah. database and then running traffic ads to them. Yeah, because you can upload you get- it. Yeah, it's good to upload it as a list, you know, if you get it out of Shopify. But the best way to do it is if you use Klaviyo email marketing uh, software or Active Campaign. You can send your customers directly from that, from those email marketing um, autoresponders, whatever you call them, straight through to Facebook as a custom audience. And then you can be running traffic campaigns to your existing customer list. Um, you know, really low budget because you'll reach them so cheaply. And that's a great scenario where I do that. You just have a large amount of ads rotating at the ad level. So they're constantly seeing different stuff. Um, and you can get creative with those guys as well by if you sell a, let's say you sell a lipstick and it runs out after 30 days. Well, you could make an audience in Clavio that says, okay, uh, give people a 30-day break. Then after 30 days, let's start showing them the lipstick again. We'll run some traffic ads to those guys to reach them cheaply. So there's great ways you can use that for uh, examples like that. Okay, yeah, so that's a great tip. Yeah, I uh, didn't know that one, actually. 
I've, I've known about you know uploading lists to uh yeah, because they're dy- yeah because they're dynamic as well, um, Will, because they're coming through from Clavio. You know, new purchases are coming in. I imagine that this custom audience dynamically updates every 24 hours, I'm going to say. I may have imagined that, but it's regularly. So new people are coming in. You know, when you export a static list out of your platform, that's it. The list stays the same. When you're piping it in dynamically, then these guys are being refreshed uh, all the time, so it's it's essential stuff, and it's so easy to do this stuff. People just need this system to to go with, you know, this system that when you do stuff in this way, this is how this is how any brand will, who's successful will do it. Yeah. Um. So, what are the what are some of the first things you do when starting with a new client or a new project? Yeah, clients who come to me, they've typically had um, a decent amount of spend in their account, some a significant amount of spend. Um, so I'll start to understand more about their products and brand, but really I'll get access to the Facebook ads manager. I'll get access to their e-commerce platform like Shopify, and I'll start to understand what their best-selling products are. I will um, go into their ads manager. I will set up my own uh, custom view in there. Uh, really good tip if you want to if you want to save time if you work with multiple ads accounts you know I have uh, my own custom setup view and it is a bit annoying to to configure the view every time if you've got it in one ads account where you've got your own custom view if you switch to the new ads account from the little drop down in the top right of the ads manager it will keep your custom view from the other ads account in this new one so you don't have to click and put it all in again um, I know that sounds like not much, but for me, it's a big thing. So I'll go in, get my view loaded up, and then I'll start to look at my, I'll start to really, I only look at like three things to base decisions off with ads. I have a lot of data in there, but I focus on like three three things to base decisions off. So I'll be looking for quick wins, right? I'll be seeing, are they reselling to existing customers? Have they made really strong core audiences against each uh, across each stage of the funnel? Is their retargeting segmented out? You know, there's some core lookalike audiences that have worked for me for years, um, and I'll build my own custom audiences and stuff like that. So I'm going in using because I see inside a lot of accounts, and I know what works across most brands. I'll go in and build this like batch of core stuff. But then also look at a few date ranges to say, okay, well, they've spent this much. Let's see, let's see where there's some, you know, let's see which creative's working. Let's see what people are resonating with. Let's just have a look at what they've been doing. And then I'll gather that data, um, do more of what's worked already, and, you know, instantly go in after the low-hanging fruit, selling, reselling to their existing customers, running ads to their uh, social media engagers, uh, get off on that foot, and then come in with a good cold strategy based off strong lookalikes of, um, you know, again, from Clavio, I would send through audiences into Facebook as custom audiences, high spenders, people who've, you know, ordered more than twice, people who've ordered more than three times, um, make some audiences from the Facebook pixel, people who've added to cart twice or more in the last 30 days. They work, that works extremely well. Um, in most cases, you know, nothing's gospel that I'm saying here. Um, and I will start to build this core group, this core set, like an arsenal of audiences to go in with for testing. So basically, I'm just going in there to look for quick wins, do more of what's worked, if anything has, and then build the batch of stuff that I use across most accounts. Yeah, like you said, like an arsenal of stuff that you can just basically bring to every client because you know it, it should work. 
it obviously might not work for for a particular client, but you've got a pretty good idea that a, a bunch of these ideas will uh, will work for anyone. So you just get on with them straight away, um, and then I guess you're just constantly learning from everything as well. Yeah, and there's like some core apps that I've used for years in Shopify that have uh, just you know things that increase average order value and you know ones that I'm familiar with and I know they get amazing results. So look at doing some upsell and cross sell stuff and see how they're doing that sort of stuff and you know just uh, just quick things, quick wins that I know are going to in- increase performance of the ads overall. Um, look at their email marketing strategy quickly. That's not something I go into too much, but having good abandoned flows uh, set up, especially when running ads will have a direct impact on maximizing your ad spend. So all these things in this like ecosystem, as I keep calling it, uh, maximize performance across the board with a great ad strategy. Cool, great. So if I was maybe starting my own e-commerce site and I wanted to get started with Facebook myself, um, what are some of the most important things you, you'd suggest I do? Yeah, most important thing I would say is get help from a consultant. I know this sounds cliche with this being what I do, but get help from someone who's actually got a really good track record and see if you can pay them um, in a way that, you know, for the amount of help that you need and the budget that you've got, see if you can pay them to um, guide you through the process. You know, I've got mentors that help me with stuff um, who are experts in their field. don't get dragged into Facebook groups. That's the worst thing you can do. I became really successful with ads in 2015 when I got out of uh, Facebook groups. So first thing I would say is, you know, there are some great courses out there. YouTube, you know, people are putting content out there to maybe try and drag you in a few directions, but it's difficult to know who to trust when you're doing something new. So maybe go on something like, if you're limited with budget, maybe go on something like Upwork, look at someone's feedback on there, Um, make sure that they've actually done it themselves, number one, and they don't just teach people how to do it. Um, Read some of their feedback and, um, yeah, like just jump on a call with them and and see how they help people and ask for case studies of how they've helped people grow. You know, um, for me, the quickest way to get good at anything is to pay someone who's got great credentials and a track record of showing that they can actually teach people to do it. There's a different... The big difference between uh, you know doing stuff yourself successfully that's great, but then to be able to give that info and learn the skill of consulting on different people's brands and situations and how they are as a person, you know you need to make sure they've got a track record with that. So I don't think there's anything really you should consider other than that's the most obvious way I do it. That's how I've got to where I am, dipped in and out of a bit of help, um, and a lot of it is figuring once you've got that initial. Uh, know how of how not to waste money it's then about experience living inside the ads account um nothing will get you any better experience than when it starts to click in your brain how to turn something off when it's not working how to spot when something is working and how to do more of it and a consultant can help you spot these things um and that's when you get started in that sort of way you get off to a great start and then it's just about experience then and riding the wave because it has periods where it goes through terrible times when they update stuff in the algorithm and, and all that stuff. So yeah, help from someone who's been there, definitely. Yeah, someone who knows uh, that the algorithm does change and kind of knows, yes, they wouldn't know exactly how to, but kind of how to respond to that and just not to, not panicking and stuff like that. Um, I, I've 
been in some of these Facebook groups as well. Um, it's shocking some of the stuff you see in there. Um, you know, some of the some of the people who are claiming to have, you know, clients paying them thousands of dollars, and they are asking quite basic questions. Um, I, I've even seen one or two people asking for Facebook courses, Facebook ad courses, because they've just signed the client and they don't actually know it themselves. Yeah, it's you know this has really got really out of hand. You know, since I did it, you were like you you'd sell products and drop ship, and that'd be it. And then all the like course creators jumped on it, and then uh, you know everybody's teaching you how to do this stuff, and and then there's like like you say, you, you, there's people teaching you how to be a consultant for e-commerce brands, so they sell you that dream, and then probably a scenario you've mentioned there where someone's been thrown into this thing where they've got to run the marketing for a brand or teach someone or consult for them and they don't even know it themselves. This is crazy. It's, a, it's like this with all internet marketing. There's some really shady areas and uh, e-commerce has got worse as the years have gone on. It was, it was worse like a year or two ago. They're moving on to other stuff now because it's incredibly difficult to get really great results. The, the, the dropshippers are all dying out, moving into Forex trading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the next big thing, isn't it? But yeah, it's yeah, find, finding someone who's got got that track record, ha, has done it for themselves. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, it doesn't have to be big brands. I, I don't think someone has to have like, you know, FTSE 100 brands on their, on their portfolio. Um, but they need to show that they've actually worked with some brands and then they've actually done it. Um, yeah, well, you know, the majority of people aren't massive brands. So just to go on, on touch on that point there, you know, Teaching a one-man band or a one-woman band is way different than, like I've worked with Subway restaurants, right? Right through to a lady two months ago. She makes her own jewelry, does six figures on Etsy, but was losing money with her ads. And, you know, she's got to run her business as well. And then I've got to um, train her on actually how to do this stuff. It went really well. She went from uh, losing money or not running any ads to over 2,000 a day in sales running them herself that teaching someone like that and consulting with someone like that is way different than with a big brand that i would way more trust someone with a great track record of working with um startups and like mid-range people than just throwing in a few huge brands in there definitely it's different skill set it's harder it's way harder money yeah. means a lot more to a brand who's trying to grow and who's got a team of one or you know five even ten people i'm working with at the moment money's tight for these guys so you have to be really good at spotting the right moves to make huge brands it's a bit more like money's no object it's like they have these huge marketing budgets and it's like set and forget some of it has been that i've done so um yeah uh yeah yeah i've definitely experienced that the uh, just huge brands and just keep doing keep doing things the way we've done it because it has worked mm. and there doesn't seem to be much in the way of uh, you know responding to uh, new you know, consumer behavior and new ways of marketing it's just right we know we can drive a load of traffic to these landing pages and we will convert it a cpa which according to our benchmarks is okay and not really thinking but is our benchmark actually too high you know, could, could we be doing 20 to 30% cheaper um, by implementing, you know, some sort of funnel or something? But um, no, I mean, if, yeah, when it works for them, if they're spending millions uh, and, and it's working and it's, and they're a massive profitable business, I suppose it doesn't matter so much, does it? Definitely. 
And you know, those are the guys that really drive the cost of uh, of ads up for the little guys around times like Father's Day and Q4. That's why the CPMs shoot up the cost to reach a thousand people because these guys are like absolutely smashing it with huge budgets. So it drives the little guys' uh, ads costs up. Um, so that's another impact of that sort of stuff as well. Uh, what are the big or you know most common mistakes you see when when people are uh, running Facebook ads themselves, yeah, or, or as opposed to just other agencies and people who are who maybe not doing it too well? Yeah, definitely. Like the same applies to all. Uh, mainly using the wrong objective based off um, the try the kind of result that you're trying to get. Like I mentioned before, you know maybe running like ad to car ads to test it and. You know, maybe it does work for some people, but for me, the success comes from running purchase ads from the get-go um, and maybe at other levels where there's core audiences using that traffic objective I mentioned to drill into those guys. So um, common mistakes as well is not having this nice funnel structure of bringing in cold people and excluding the guys who are going to be in the next uh, warm audience. By warm audience, I mean reaching people who've engaged with our posts on Facebook and Instagram or watched our videos, they've had a touch point with our brand. So we can run ads separately to these guys in another campaign, um, different creatives, speaking to them differently, and then going down the funnel again to what you could call hot people who've been out to the site, looked at product pages, added products to cart, and then most people miss a really good strategy for reselling to existing customers. So those are some common mistakes that I see, wrong objectives, not a funnel structure, Maybe, uh, you know, looking at the wrong data. I look at like three things, cost per unique ad to cart, cost per checkout, per, cost per purchase, and then ROAS, return on ad spend. So that's the fourth one. I base decisions off those things. Um, so a mistake that people will look at cost per click and, and all this stuff. But, you know, obviously your return on ad spend is number one. But to make smart decisions, looking at those other metrics, sort of saying, okay, well, they've left they've left Facebook, we've nudged them off there. Are they adding to cart? Okay, great. There's some buyer intent in this audience. Are they initiating checkout? Great. And then next thing is, are they purchasing? Yeah, so the people don't really understand that you just got to look at it like that. Look at the journey that you're leading people through uh, and don't let it get to a point where you're wasting money and it's gone past gathering data. So yeah, you know, really in simple terms, most people don't know how to do more of what is working from not understanding how to look at a few simple things as opposed to all this massive data because it is intimidating when you look at all the options um, and they don't know how to save money on what's not working. You know, if you run multiple creatives at the ad level, making sure you shut ones off there which are not profitable, um, you know, too many ad sets and like no defined structure going from testing through to scaling. And yeah, you know, one big thing, I wouldn't say it's a mistake, but um, a great way to save money is we use tools to, auto to put automated rules um, on campaigns. So when you're out at, you know, at the weekend, you want a break from stuff or it's one o'clock in the morning and you come in after a night out, you're not going to be there checking ads. So we use, there's a couple of tools you can use. One's called RevealBot, one's called Magic X, um, and you can automate certain elements in your account and get it to make the moves that you would make as a human in simple terms you can save a lot of money and you can also scale things as well like this and you can bring up your retargeting levels in conjunction with spend at the other levels to capitalize there so 
in basic terms, you can go in one of these tools, you, it connects into your Facebook account, and you can say, um, right, if we've spent $80 and there's no purchases, pause the ad set. If we've spent $100 and the ad was created over two days ago and our ROAS is over our goal of two and a half, increase the budget 20%. There's probably a core set of about 10 rules that we'd use to automate loads of stuff that are the moves you should make as a human based off your goals for returns. And um, that can take away a big element of having to think, having to make moves. Um, so yeah, that, that's something, you know, it's as these, you know, as people move further into this and get those initial mistakes out the way of um, working with your campaigns and nurturing them, this is like the next level of, of being able to minimize your mistakes. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, doing that on like the weekends when you don't want to work so much. But I mean, could you, as long as you're kind of monitoring a bit, could you actually just leave these running all the time? As, well, long, as long as you're obviously just checking in. Well, yeah, if you spend 300 bucks a day and your campaigns are nicely locked in, then yeah, I've spent 40,000 a day on ads at some points. I'm spending uh, probably 10,000 a day in one account at the moment. So when you spend 40,000 in a day, it is, you know, you can say like, yeah, all right, I'm just not going to look at it on the weekend. You know, it's fine. But if something goes wrong or um, something affects performance, you're talking in the thousands of a loss in a day then, whereas you could have a rule that would have made the move that I would make if I was drunk at one o'clock in the morning. This rule could have said, right, shit, fuck sugar. Um, we've, we've got a... Uh, you know, we've got an issue here. We've got this rule that's going to protect us. Something seriously wrong. So then you wake up, you see that the rules kicked in. It's dropped the budget, and uh, then you've saved yourself a good amount of money. You know, like what you do see though, when you when you're spending less and things are really locked in, like the lady I mentioned who spends three hundred a day to generate four thousand a day. Her stuff's very consistent. You know, that's very low risk and very profitable. So yeah, you could leave that for a week and it'd be all right, but. It's good to have these things, like I say, because you make the moves that you would actually make as a person. So it can do it all week for you as well as be covered at the weekend. So for me, it's essential, but on a lower level and based off your confidence, knowing how well things work over a period of time, everything's about experience with this. You can only get this stuff after doing it for years, you know, and understanding how to make moves like anything in life. So yeah, two scenarios there. Low spend with good good experience in the account, yes, you can leave it. High spend, volatile performance, or just being careful anyway, get some rules in place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what, what are the big trends in Facebook going to be over the next 12 to 18 months? Do you know, I don't really pay much attention to any news. I don't read much. Um, I don't have a clue what's going on in the world. I just focus, I switch off to everything. Um, But I would say one thing I've seen have dramatic, a dramatic impact on the growth of an e-commerce brand who I helped go from like, they were stuck at five figures a month to now doing millions a year in a really short space of time was using a company called Faraday who, um, they do some sort of artificial intelligence stuff behind the scenes uh, based off your current customers. And it takes them about six weeks to build these really special custom and lookalike audiences. No idea what they do. It takes a very long time, but it goes beyond what Facebook can actually do. 
and you get these audiences and they just absolutely blow everything else out of the water that you've got inside your Facebook account. So um, another brand, you know, there's one, I, there's one example. I think, you know, people will cotton on to this more because uh, they're, you know, these guys are actually um, able to do stuff that Facebook can't. So maybe artificial intelligence will play more of a, uh, have more of an impact. But again, going back to rules, the, the, one of the platforms I use for it is called Magic X, I think you say it. Um, when I did a first call with these guys, they're actually able to access uh, data and, and stuff that you can't actually, you're not supposed to be able to access. Uh, Facebook had a bit of a problem with them at the start, I think. But you can you can get in and see uh, how things are performing in, in different ways. You can see how creatives perform in like a one-window view, and it has a direct impact on the moves that you make to, to do more of what's working. Um, and those rules that I mentioned before are an element of this platform. So maybe people will cotton on to this more. I certainly tell all my clients about these sort of things because it has a direct impact on growth. So maybe the artificial intelligence side will come in more where companies work with Facebook's data in um, ways that you can't with Facebook. Maybe people will get more into rules. Um, I actually had to do a Google search, I'll be honest, to see what the trends were <laughs> coming up over the next 12 to 18 months. Those first two, those are things I use. But something interesting I found earlier was that uh, voice shopping is really growing among internet users. So smart speaker owners, Alexa and uh, whatever the other ones are, it says that 13% of those uh, device owners in the US said they were making purchases by voice at the end of 2017. So um, for me, that just be I just never do anything like that. But you know, the general public uh, seem yeah. to go and it get onto these things. It does seem a bit, <laughs> a bit high. But I, d- <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't have an Amazon speaker, so I don't know how much of that might be accounted for. Just kind of reordering stuff through Amazon. True, that's a very good point. Because that is a very quick, easy purchase that you're basically set up to do, which is quite different to yeah. asking Alexa to buy you like a shirt or something online. Absolutely. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, maybe um, I know Domino's, I don't know about voice actually, D- Domino's seem to do quite a lot with all, all the new tech that comes out. They kind of jump on it and see how they can uh, it might just be PR stunts. They might think, well, we can't really do much with it. But I, I'm sure they did something with um, with the Xbox. They had some sort of thing. When, when the Xbox... Um, was it just the Xbox? Oh, oh, I can't remember if it had some sort of add-on. But um, yeah, they did some sort of voice command ordering through the Xbox. I think only in the US. What so like lazy gamers can order pizzas while they're gaming? That's genius. Basically, yeah. I mean, it's ge- it's genius. I don't know how much it picked up, or whether it was actually just a little bit of a stunt. Um, but it is one of those things that you can do because a lot of people will know their order. Yeah, you know, there will be some people who you know they don't order frequently, so they do scan the menu. They might pick different things, but there'll be that core group of people who will just be like, oh, Xbox, uh, order me a large pepperoni from Domino's. Wow, sounds too easy. It's making me hungry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you know, maybe things will go in that direction, but I don't even like ordering something off my mobile phone, so I definitely won't be uh, asking Alexa to order me uh, whatever you buy off Amazon, a new lawnmower. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, just one other thing that, I've, that I'd like to say is, uh, you know, trend-wise, I don't really know if this is a trend, but it's a, it's a great to know things are going in this direction. You know, I was doing some research. I work with quite a lot of brands around the, well, in America and in New York as well. And a lot of the brands I see in New York, they're kind of um, really focusing on like sustainable stuff now and, um, you know, vegan stuff. And uh, it's actually like, it's great to see because um, it doesn't seem like forced and they're coming up with innovate, innovative ways to uh, to make products that are sustainable or vegan. You know, I buy protein powder. I was using like the bodybuilding ones for ages and I found this vegan one that actually doesn't taste like crap. So I'm seeing these sort of things that pop up a lot more, um, you know, with environmental topics in the news and stuff. It's having an impact on uh, the way the way people are, are thinking about um, building their brands. So that's great. Yeah, definitely. I think I see a lot in kind of fashion and cos- cosmetics, which really talk about, you know, vegan or it's environmentally friendly, sustainable <laughs> It's like loads and loads of sites focusing on that. And they do make the point kind of in their product descriptions and things to actually explain why they are vegan friendly or or environmentally friendly and stuff. It's not just a kind of jumping on the bandwagon sort of thing. It's like, yeah, I agree. You can, yeah, you can see through it when it's that sort of stuff. You you know, it takes a lot of time to make a product range of t-shirts that are sustainably, sustainably friendly or whatever. So, uh, you know, you can tell when they've invested in the product line and their branding and the message connects with it all, then, you know, it, it's uh, it's obvious that it's genuine. Yeah, I mean, it, one of the uh, fairly recent podcast episodes, I was talking about brand strategy with someone and um, we, we kind of did talk about this, these topics around being environmentally friendly and stuff. And it's when companies come out and say things in support of certain movements, but their actual behaviours are completely opposite. <laughs> Yeah. And and someone will come out and say, but hang on, the way you produce your products is incredibly unfriendly for the environment or something like that. And so it's, yeah, like you say, it's very, it's pretty transparent. It's pretty obvious when someone's yeah. just kind of supporting, like showing some support for the movement and not actually, you know, actually providing that support, I guess. Definitely will. But, you know, the main thing is when you're a marketer and you understand the majority of the population, they would never be able to look at it like that. So it works for these big companies. They can get away with it and uh, fool people. And um, yeah, but, you know, for someone who actually looks at it with a different point of view, like you've just mentioned, then it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, puts it in a real picture in the perspective. Right. So we'll just kind of close with a couple of, I guess, more preference related questions for you. Um do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing? Just the, the one that pops into my head because I've personally been through it is what we touched on earlier. Going in groups and asking for advice or reading people's threads in groups which are made by someone who's probably trying to sell you a course or sell you something. So like I'm in a, in a group for um, some mentoring that I get and there's a big range of people in there. It's for my consulting. I'm learning uh, how to really um, structure my services and stuff. There's another guy in there who offers Facebook ads consulting. So someone posted a question in there saying, um, you know, how, what, at what point should I use these CBO campaigns, which is a way that you can change where the budget gets spent with Facebook ads. And, uh, you know, someone wrote in there as if this was the gospel answer. This guy wrote, you know, well, up, you know, past 100 bucks a day, you've got to switch to these. And this guy was like, no way, thanks. I'm going to go and try that now. And I was just looking at it thinking, it is so specific to your account 
your product price point, um, you know, how things respond when you test them, that just that advice that becomes gospel to all the participants of a group. Being a participant in a group that is not, like I'm in some which are really high level, paid annually with eight-figure marketers, that's where you listen to people because they'll relate their advice to a scenario that's worked for them. When you've got different participants sharing something, which they've probably heard in another group, so they're rehashing it to look like they're being helpful. Um, you know, there's no substance or results or proof behind it. That is, that is it for me. I don't let things wind me up. That's why I don't watch the news or I have a Facebook news feed blocker in Facebook. You know, I just focus on my, my stuff. But that back in the day, that's the first thing that popped into my head. Inaccurate advice from people who haven't, <laughs> who can't back it up with stuff. You know, fair enough if he said, you know, we're in the same niche. This has worked to me. Here's a screenshot. This is how I tested it. It was a one-line answer. And this poor guy then thinks that that's the gospel. Yeah, you you can tell when there's a, a lack of experience there, and they yeah they might not have run ads that much, or or they're probably just not actually they've not been in marketing or business that long. When they give just kind of flight like anyone who's like that. in groups, anyone who's in groups spending their time answering other people's questions, yeah, um, <laughs> if they're trying to look reputable, fair enough. If you're brand new and you or you're trying to engage and you're on this journey at the start, but where you've got people who position themselves as the expert in there. And they're messing about in Facebook groups answering questions. Trust me, they're not they're not um, doing it. Unless you know you have a reputable group, it all comes to experience getting through all the BS people. And you know, I'm in like two or three Facebook groups total now, which I actually look in because I'm, I've got through all the nonsense. So everything, any advice, anything has to be backed up with seeing a screenshot of how it worked, or seeing a video testimonial from someone that worked with, or seeing it work. <laughs> time and time again you know yeah so finally uh if you could kill off one particular marketing tactic what would it be right so i, I don't watch tv or anything like that but what i do watch is youtube videos right at the end of the day i watch some just junk like documentaries vice like just anything interesting these gurus because of the websites i visit probably these gurus who show up with like a free webinar or a free training who wreck the <laughs> start of my youtube video that annoys me and i refuse to pay 15 20 quid a month to get rid of the ads on youtube so those guys were ruining my um documentary time at the end of the day if you're listening <laughs> get a bit get a bit more creative with your pitch and videos we know it's not a free webinar we know it's not free training. Show me videos of people who've done what you're doing. One guy I don't mind it doing it, though, is Alex Becker. He does like 20 million in sales, and he's got his really uh, weird gaze that he does and a really cool background in his videos, and he's a master of starting up his uh, ad on YouTube by saying, this is John. John worked with me to do five million and he'll open this first five seconds like that. And so you're instantly seeing someone who's done something crazy. So you'll listen to him. But I find that interesting, but majority of them, you're wrecking my downtime. So please stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agreed. Uh, it reminds me of those Facebook ads I used to see. Uh, I've not seen them for a while actually, but it was always these really long like essays from oh, gurus yeah. who uh, had a, you know, hundred grand a year finance job, 
then got made redundant for some reason. Went and everything prison. changed. Yeah, yeah, went to prison. Yeah, jail, definitely. Literally got to the absolute worst point Drug they could, dealer, they could imagine. Yeah. And then in the next six months after everything release, changed. They, everything changed. And then they're now doing millions in revenue through this secret uh, one-step plan that they've got. Yeah. Um, and it will cost you $99 to find out. That strategy you mentioned there, Russell Brunson, who owns ClickFunnels, teaches that you go, you this a terrible story where you're at your lowest, suicidal, and then you're selling drugs and you've got you're nothing. And then one day it all changes. So you're thinking, so the general public are thinking, wow, what is it that just made him be at the lowest you can ever get, lower than I am now, to then change? You know, this guy must be onto something. If he can do that, then I can do it. You know, if someone that low can just find this one thing to turn them around, absolute rubbish. It takes hard work and experience um, to, to get good at anything like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure if you read Russell's story, he, I mean, he, I'm not sure he had it that bad, but he did a lot, you know, he worked hard for it. I actually quite um, like him, to be honest, but some of his stuff is really sleazy and the majority of ClickFunnels type people are really sleazy people. I've been in that yeah, group. That's they, one I left years ago. That was a terrible group. Awful. They, they do have a bad audience. But really? uh, he, he did really well. He sold the business, didn't he? About a year ago? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, don't really pay much attention to others, but he's, he's a fantastic marketer, super sharp, and uh, you can't not like him. It's funny because yeah. the, the stuff, the practices and the people it attracts aren't really like him. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's been fantastic stuff, like really, really uh, helpful, useful content. Um, if people want to find out more, how should they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I've got like a landing page. Funnily enough, it's on ClickFunnels, which, which I've just been <laughs> saying is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I've got a landing page. Um, show some case studies, shows more about how I help people. There's also a video in there which shows a bit and you know, shows results and shows um, a few things that I um, help people with. You can go to rainycityconsulting.com slash go. That's R-A-N-R-A-I-N-Y cityconsulting.com slash go. A bit of info there. Opportunity to book a 15-minute chat with me to talk about your ads. And uh, that's it. Cool. Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that goes up on the uh, Customers Who Click website. Great. Thanks, Will. It was, uh, it was a great little chat. And, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers, Peter. Pleasure having you. Cheers, bye. Some really amazing stuff there from Peter, and not just on Facebook ads either. There's some real, like, really good value and advice there that any marketer should be thinking about and, and taking into consideration. As you've heard, uh, Facebook likes just aren't really something worth focusing on, especially from a, a paid point of view. You know, as, as Peter mentioned, um, you know, he, he built that e his own e-commerce site up, and, and he got you know thousands of likes uh, without even actually focusing on it you're much better off trying to organically build that channel, you know, convince your customer base there, just head over there and like the pages, part of competitions or loyalty schemes. And then you've got that extra opportunity to target people as well. You know, the, the people who like it, you know, you, you'll know that they are previous customers or potentially previous customers. You can target them and, and you should get a better return on that investment. The other thing you really need to consider is your, your marketing funnel. So Facebook ads are getting more and more expensive and will continue to do so, but they aren't out of reach. You've just got to get your strategy right. And remember that you're incredibly unlikely to build a profitable business purely off advertising. If that's your sole focus, you, know, you, you are going to struggle. You have to get your marketing automation and retention strategy set up um, as well. Make sure your website converts, you know, get your average order values higher, 
and engage with your customers properly so that after that first purchase, they do come back again and again. And, you know, it, that's then pretty much free traffic. You're not having to pay, you know, $15, $20 uh, per person to come through and purchase because you've got that database. They know who you are. If you want to know more about Facebook ads uh, or if you're looking for someone to help you with them, do reach out to Peter on LinkedIn. As usual, any other podcast-related questions can be sent to will at customerswhoclick.com. Uh, please do let me know if you'd like to feature as a guest or if there's a particular person, brand, or marketing channel you'd like to hear about. Next week, I've got Khalil Gonzalez, who will be talking all about how brands can use TikTok. But until then, keep those customers clicking. <laughs> <laughs>